How about we give the worship team a hand as well? And the sound guys up the back, production guys, we appreciate you too. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, I'd like to quickly start with, um, I, this isn't my message, but I got a word while I was at the front in worship this morning, and I was going to bring it in worship, but I just felt to hold for now, but I'll just be really quick with it. Um, the reason why I just felt to hold off is because I was actually watching God do it. So it was really cool to actually watch it happen, and then now I can kind of share one of the things that he said was actually happening. And this is going to be kind of, it might sound a bit left field, but during worship, I heard the, the Holy Spirit say, I'm coming after your idols. I'm coming after all of your idols. I'm actually, he's, and, and, and he was saying, I'm coming after all of your idols, and he's going to set himself up in you in your hearts, in his right, like, like he's going to set himself up in his rightful place, in your heart. And, and what I mean by I was watching him do it, this is the way that he actually comes after your idols. It's his goodness. It's his love. It's his mercy. He be, he, he's, like, he's like love and his, and, and his goodness and, and just how for you he is, is on such great display that everything else just pales into insignificance and you're just more into him than you could ever possibly be with anything else. It's, it's, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And guys, what's happening this week throughout, like just pay attention, but God is coming after all your idols. And so what I want you to do is I want you to just be like tuned into that. The moment that he begins to reveal um, anything that is taking uh, attention in a way that is set up like an idol in your heart, just be quick to respond to that. Just lay it down at him and say, God, I just renounce that. I repent of that. And I believe that one of the ways that he's going to do that is he's just going to be like the center of attention. Like the good things are going to happen or, or, or he's going to speak to you in your heart and he's going to come after your idols. He's actually, he's coming after your idols. And, um, and that's really exciting. <laughs> that's really exciting when, when, when like all of our heart... And on all of our attention and all of our soul is, is put on him, amazing things happen. So isn't that cool? Um, I just didn't feel to share it during worship, and I'm not going to go any more into it now because I've got a different word. Um, but I felt like I needed to release that. So yay. <laughs> yay, Jesus. You can have all of them, please. <laughs> I actually saw him cutting off their heads. He was, he was actually cutting their heads off, which means like he was disempowering even any hook that they might have in you. So they've actually been put to death. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Um, so lately, God's been reminding me of a dream that I had like years and years and years ago. Um, and he's just breathing on it again. And, and actually, I had this dream in 2008. So, um, but, but he's, he's like breathing on it right now and uh and so i'm gonna i wrote it down because it was from 2008 my memory of it probably isn't as sharp as the actual written down dream so i'm just going to read it from the page um and uh and then we'll get into it all right so in this dream i found myself in a giant white expanse everything was white all around me and i could not distinguish if there was a ceiling a floor and walls or if i was just hovering um, it looked exactly like the room from this scene in The Matrix. So I've actually got a little, like, 
clip that we're going to quickly play. It's 23 seconds. And this is literally where I was in my dream, all right? So if we could play that clip, that'd be really helpful for everyone, just to give you a visualization. Pay attention to what he says as well, by the way, because it is incredible how it fits. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Oh, here we go. This is the construct. It's our loading program. We can load anything from clothing to equipment, weapons, training simulations, anything we need. That's it. Thanks. And so in this stream, I was there. And, and I was like, well, what's going on? I wasn't thinking, oh, this is the place from the Matrix. It was different to that. I was just like, I was in this dream, in this place, trying to work out if I was hovering or if there was actually a structure around me. And, um, and I was in the first person. So I was like seeing from my own perspective. Um, by the way, this is like one of the top three most significant dreams that I've ever had. So it was like a big deal. Um, so I was, I was experiencing the dream in first-person uh, perspective, and I saw a person approaching me, similar to what we just saw there. I saw a person approaching me, and they began to talk to me. I was surprised to see it was I talking to me. So I, in the second person, was talking to me in the first person. Um, so from now on, when I say me or I, I'll do this to do to distinguish whether it's first person me or second person me, because it gets confusing. It's pretty trippy. Um, so I saw a person approaching me, and, and it was me. Um, that it was, and, and, I, and, and I was talking to me. So with, with great enthusiasm, I began to tell me about my father's account. I boasted of the great fortune in this bank account. I explained it was so stocked, there wasn't a need in the entire world. It could not meet with ease. And what's more, it will never run out of resource. As I listened to me speak, I noticed I was holding an object. I looked down at my hands and I saw it was a key card. On the card was written the name Heaven's Account. I suddenly got the realization that the father's account I was speaking of was the account attached to the card I was holding. I got very excited. I interrupted myself and asked, what's the pin to this account? I mean, I've got the card. Who wouldn't want to know that? <laughs> and I just spent like, I had so much time talking about how stocked it is. I'm like, what's the pin? I'm making a transaction. <laughs> I looked at myself and I said, the pin to the account of unlimited resource is, and I literally woke myself up in my bed. I sat up and I screamed, faith! I like woke myself up screaming, faith! Like that, at the top of my lungs. And then I sat there, I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> that was crazy. Anyway, it gets a little bit like... It gets even more awesome somehow. Uh, now, this was in 2008, so I'm not specific on the time frame, but I remember within a, quite a short period of time, it would have been either 
three, as early as two weeks and, and no longer than three months later, LJ gave me a prophetic word. I hadn't shared this dream with anyone yet. LJ gave me this prophetic word. She saw me sitting on a safe. I was pulling things out of the safe, but the size of the objects I pulled out didn't make logical sense. It's like a, the safe was like Mary Poppins' handbag, you know, like she'd just pull out a lampstand out of a bag. The safe was kind of like this. I was just pulling stuff out of this safe and it was coming from seemingly nowhere. Um, it was like bottomless and, and full of whatever was needed. Uh, she heard the Holy Spirit say, you know, he's got the keys. There was a set of gold antique keys hanging around my neck. So LJ gave me that prophetic word within a short time frame that I just had this dream. I don't know if you can kind of see the, the theme that's running here, but, but God was trying to say something, and, um, and he's saying it again. <laughs> he's reminding me, and it's not just for me, guys. Like, I had the dream, but this is a kingdom principle, all right? Hallelujah. All right, so these were the points that I've just drawn out of, of the, 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 this dream and this vision that, that, uh, that was shared. So uh, faith, the key, acts as a key which pulls heaven's realities into earth. All right? There isn't a single conceivable need. These are the important points from these visions. There isn't a single conceivable need that heaven can't meet or isn't stocked for. This speaks of God's will or willingness to meet needs. So when I had this dream, um, I was only like pretty fresh out of high school. I think I just like started an apprenticeship. Um, anyone that's done an apprenticeship knows how tight money can be. And I think like um, my, uh, my car registration was like around the corner. So that was kind of like where my head originally went. Later on, so I'm thinking, oh, finances are right. God like bank card, of course, that makes sense. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he highlighted, he said, no, I didn't say financial. I said there isn't a need that it is not like stocked to resource. And then I just got this like impression. I started seeing like pictures of people that were missing limbs and all of a sudden limbs were like growing out of their bodies and just things that were just like way beyond what I could actually believe for. And, and he was saying heaven is stocked with whatever need there is why would heaven be stocked for these needs if it wasn't within his will and his desire to meet them so uh so this speaks of god's will and willingness to meet needs uh we are called to be supernatural philanthropists i always struggle to say that word did i get it right Awesome. Supernatural philanthropists, not, not just the normal one. So our resources aren't limited to finances, the laws of physics, nature, space, or time. And for, I'm pretty sure everyone here knows what a philanthropist is, but if you don't, they're just a person that pretty much goes out, finds needs, and brings solutions. Isn't that cool? You're called to that. And this is the final takeaway that I got from these two things. We must learn... How to make withdrawals from heaven's resources. God's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. And that's a quote from Reinhard Bonnke. We must learn how to make transactions. We need to learn how to reach into this safe and pull out what's needed in the moment. In the moment. We must learn how to swipe heaven's key card and make transactions and, and, uh, transactions and pull out of heaven's reality into this reality. 
And this is what we're all called to do. And God's really highlighting it. And there's like, there's like a, a, a point to all of this at the very end. But, but what we're going to do, look at right now is then, then what is faith? Then the key, because that's the key. So, so what is it? Um, or what does that look like? And so I looked up in the strong concordance, the, the Greek word for faith. I'm only going to read it out once. And then I'm just going to use the word faith. And you'll know why after. I feel awkward when I say it. So faith, and the Greek word is pistis. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying piss tits and I get really awkward so that's why I'm only saying it one time so the, the Greek word for faith is that <laughs> and it comes from the root word and I will read this one it's okay which is pitho and that means to persuade, be persuaded. This is what the root word of, of faith in the Greek means. Persuade, be persuaded, come to trust, come to faith. So faith in the Greek is always, this is what the, this is, I'm reading directly from the Strong Concordance. Faith is always a gift from God, never something that can be produced by people. Why? Because it, the root word is persuade or be persuaded. All right? And everyone knows a scripture that we will talk about in a sec that this is talking about. Um, produced by, so faith, something that can, that, that can be, uh, where am I, sorry. Come to faith. Faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. Reading directly from the Strongs. In short, faith for the believer is, and this is like one of the greatest definitions I've read of faith, God's divine persuasion. God's divine persuasion. And therefore, distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it. God's divine persuasion, faith, distinct from belief and, and, and confidence, but they work together. The Lord continuously, this is still from the Strong's, the Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so they can know what he prefers. What's that mean? His will. The persuasion of his will. Wow. So faith um, in the Greek wasn't a necessarily just a religious word. It actually it was, it came from a word that described something else. Um, so the word that they used in Greek for faith uh, actually referred to a guarantee or a warranty. So when you think of like, like a car manufacturer and they give you a guarantee or a warranty, that's the word that they use. There was actually faith. It's like, we can guarantee you this. You can take this to the bank. How good is that? That was the word that they used. That's what faith was. So, it's a, and, but in, the, in, the, uh, so in Scripture, in a, in a religious or in a, in a, uh, a Christian perspective then, um, faith is God's warranty. Certifying that the revelation he in birth will come to pass his way. Faith is also used collectively of all the times God has revealed or given the persuasion of his will, which includes the full revelation of scripture. Indeed, God the Lord guarantees that all of this revelation will come to pass. Isn't that awesome? I've never thought of faith as his divine persuasion. But look at this. We all know this scripture in, in, in Romans ten seventeen. what it says. It says, faith comes by hearing. Faith 
comes by hearing. Well, that makes sense to me now. (laughs) Because I've heard him, whether it's from what I've read in the word of God or what it's spoken to my heart, a combination of both prophetic, however it is that you've heard him, when you hear him, what happens? In your innermost being, you become persuaded divinely. That becomes your new guarantee. Wow. So that's why when you read a scripture and you've read it your whole life, you can kind of like read over it and it doesn't really impact you. But then all of a sudden, you've heard it in, you've, you've heard it in your spirit and faith comes. And all of a sudden, that scripture comes to life and you've been divinely persuaded. Not only is it now a, a great memory verse or something that you can quote, but it's actually, it's got, it's got substance now. It's like, man, this means something to me now. I've been persuaded. I've been divinely persuaded. What's happened? Faith has entered into your heart so that you can partner up with what that word is saying. Isn't that awesome? I think that's really cool. So that's why it's really important that we stay in the Word of God, that we continually go over these prophetic words that, that people have gotten us, that we continue to like incline our ear and, and, and pay attention to what He's saying because we can't conjure up faith. It's in birth in our heart and we must be divinely persuaded by God for, for there to be faith. But the good news is that we've all been divinely persuaded. I mean, Pastor Kim says this all the time, but think about what we believe in. It has to be divinely persuasion that like that that a virgin gave birth to a Messiah who died and rose again. You can't believe that with your logical mind because it's not possible. You must be divinely persuaded. So we all have a measure of faith. We all have a starting point. Isn't that awesome? And then it just builds from there. It's whatever he speaks to you whatever, from that moment. It, just, it builds upon that foundation of faith. That's why Christ is the foundation of faith. Ha ha. Woo! <laughs> So faith comes by hearing, and that's why, because it's divine persuasion. The other thing that was mentioned in the uh, point that was mentioned in this Strong's definition was faith is distinct from human belief and confidence, yet it involves it. So what we believe and the faith God birthed in us work together. All right? So what was the thing that that, that Jesus rebuked his disciples about most of the time? It wasn't necessarily that they didn't have faith. They didn't believe. So what happens when we've been divinely persuaded of something, but we haven't partnered our belief with it yet? You know what that looks like? It's like, I'll give you an example. Um, when, we, when LJ was pregnant with, with our first daughter, Ariel, there was a whole bunch of complications and it was pretty scary. And, and there was all these different thoughts that were coming, but one thought that came, came from God, and this is what he said, I know their birthday. I know their birthday. I know their birthday. And so when all these different thoughts came that would be tempting for us to kind of just, because naturally they had all, had all the evidence, but, but, but God, said something, God said otherwise. God said, I know their birthday. One of the circumstances was is they wanted to induce her way before she wanted to give birth. And God kept saying, I know their birthday. And it was scary. So, so when all these different thoughts came, we latched on to, I know their birthday. I know their birthday. So we, we were, number one, we, were pers- we, we already are persu- divinely persuaded of, of, of God to work miracles in our life. 
But in this circumstance, we needed to believe what he was saying so that faith wouldn't be hindered. Does that make sense? So the disciples weren't necessarily rebuked for lack of faith, although that did happen as well. But one of the main things that they, they got in trouble for was their unbelief. Their unbelief. Um, uh, one of the uh, examples of um, that I've heard of, of, of faith is, is that it's... Um, is that it's like not so much the, they use the, you know, the scripture talks about faith, the side of a mustard seed can, can move a mountain. And that was like an agricultural kind of example that Jesus was using. I've heard like a technical example that kind of brings it into uh, our day perception. And that's more like faith is like a fuse, you know, like a fuse in, in an electrical device. And so power travels through a fuse. And if that fuse is severed or broken, or if there's too much resistance in that fuse, it breaks and it cannot power the, the equipment that it's trying to power. And so faith, like a fuse. So that what, what the point is making is that faith that, that, is, that doesn't resist, that isn't um, mixed with, with unbelief. Does that make sense? It's, it's unmixed, it's pure. And so that's what they, they got the um, rebuke for the most. Um, so... The point of all that was like that belief and confidence that there is, you do play a part, but you don't, you don't try and become greater in faith. What you do is you come uh, closer to God. And greater in faith happens as you become divinely persuaded. Your part is don't believe what the devil's saying, believe what God has already said. Okay? Because you already have faith. If you don't quit, you win. Who's heard that before? If you don't like, if you don't like submit for a moment, to the, to the other thing that the enemy's trying to say, that's because as you do that, what you're doing is you're actually saying, actually, I was divinely persuaded by God and now I'm going to be divinely persuaded by what the devil's saying. Then you, and you shift, your belief has, convic- has convinced you otherwise. Does that make sense? And so belief, confidence, that's the part that you play. It's like you, you, you don't listen to the other voices. You don't like, it's basically you don't have any more options. No more options. As soon as God says it and you've divinely been persuaded, You've got no more options. That's it. I'm fully convinced. No more options. God said it. That's the way it's going to be. Oh, but what about this, 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 and that? God said it. That's the way it's going to be. Um, Abraham, that's why it says like in, in a... I wonder if that's a script that I've written down. I'm not sure. doesn't matter. I'm going to move on. <laughs> the other point that, I, that I'm bringing out from that concordance uh, definition is um, it's a certificate of warranty assuring us God's will is inevitable. Okay, so that's what I was, I was kind of just talking about that. Um, so God's will is inevitable. Why? Because faith will bring it into this reality. God's will is inevitable because faith brings it into this reality. It's the certificate of warranty. God's will is inevitable because our faith brings it into this reality. Um, and all we do is we just keep believing. Don't, you, don't, you don't submit or you don't conform to any other opinion. All right. So that's kind of uh, what faith is. So now what I'm going to kind of refer to as faith is I'm just going to use the word divine persuasion so that we can really get that kind of like locked. Um, Galatians 5, 6. All right. When you're joined to the anointed one, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. This is kind of weird because we've just talked about like our role is belief and confidence. 
And then here it says, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. So we're not putting emphasis on works. We're putting emphasis on what God has divinely convinced us of, all right? All that matters now is living in the faith, divine persuasion, that works and expresses itself through love. Awesome. So we've talked about what faith is. Like, like the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the password. It's the actual key. And what we're looking at now is like, how do we put that password in and how do we unlock that, that safe? How do we use it? And in Galatians 5, 6, it says this, that it works and expresses itself through love. Through love. How do we make transactions on heaven? By faith. How do we uh, use faith? Like, how does faith work? By love. All right? So we're kind of like, there's layers being built. Are you understanding? There's like a, there's like a divine order. There's a process that, that if you, like, follow this process, it, 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 uh, it becomes automatic. Um, so Galatians 5 works with love. All right? And so this is what I have to say about that. So faith works through love. First, that he loves you, all right? First, that he loves you. you we, need to under, we need to know, we need to be divinely persuaded Amen. that he loves you, Amen. that he loves you. Yes. And when that happens, then naturally you begin to believe and you understand that he loves others. It's like, man, he loves me. I know, and I'm so convinced of that. He loves others just as much as he loves me. And all of a sudden, there's a platform built for faith. All right. Um, he loves others. So one of the ways that, like, I kind of test my revelation of his love for me is just in really simple things. So I, I, I don't know about you, but I actually wonder, I'm like, how much do I know that he, does it, does, that he loves me? Has anyone wondered, like, has anyone questioned that before? Like, I know that he loves me, but how much do I know that? <laughs> Has anyone thought that before? I think that all the time. And so I'll do things just to kind of like see, like, do I really know how much he loves me? Because I'm, I don't know that I'm experiencing what I could be experiencing if I really, really knew. And so one of the things that I do is like, and this is like practicing, and, and, I, and I see the evidence of it. Like I know that I've got it when I begin to see the, uh, the, um, the result. I know, wow, faith is working. I know he loves me. Faith is working. I know he loves me. And so uh, I started small with just like believing for parking spots. Why parking spots? Because I believe that the favor of God is on me. Okay? And, and I think I can, I can believe for parking spots. I believe that even though that's really significant, he loves me enough to give me a parking spot. <laughs> I'm sure of that. I'm sure he loves me enough for a parking spot. Anyway, I got so convinced of this that during, like, Christmas Eve, LJ would call me up while she's trying to do the Christmas shopping at Erin at Christmas Eve and say, Jason, I need a parking spot. I'd be like, okay, we've got this. God, where is there a parking spot? And then he would show me, all right, you need to go down this aisle, this place, wait for a couple of moments, and someone's going to pull out. And lo and behold, it would actually happen. That's amazing, not because I was awesome, but because I was so convinced that he loved me enough to give me a parking spot that faith worked. I'm like, that's in his will that I can get a parking spot. That's awesome. You know what? It works for many, many, many more things, but we can start small and we can practice it. Why, why not practice it? Why not? 
Why not see what, how much he, like, see how much you know he loves you? And honestly, the sky is the limit. Okay, so another thing that I might do is with keys, um, lose them all the time. I remember one time uh, I was surfing with a friend and their leg rope broke and their board got washed in. Um, they had to try and swim in and I watched them like for about half an hour running up and down the beach trying to find their surfboard. And then I started to freak out for them like, oh, poor guy's lost his surfboard. So we went in to try and help him. And I said, hey, let's just ask God for it. He cares about your surfboard. So I said, God, where's his surfboard? And then I felt it's all the way down on the other end of the beach. And, it, and as we walked down there, it washed up in front of us. And I don't know if it was there because he said that it was going to be, I don't know how it worked, but I just, all of a sudden, I, I believed that he said that's where it was. Faith kind of like was activated and it drew it into our reality. And he got his surfboard back. That's something so small, but I'm like, God cares about the surfboard. Isn't that cool? That was for someone else as well. So because I'd experienced his love for me, I knew that he'd do it for someone else. Isn't this good? So yeah, uh, so first, that, so faith works by love. First, that he loves you. God loves you. And you don't know how much he loves you until you know how much he loves you. And then you don't know how much he loves you until you know how much he loves you. And then you don't know how much he loves you. And there is no end to it. There is no end to it. So we're convinced of his favor. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Oh, this is good. So if you need like some like, if you need like a source of divine, um, what's the word? Divine persuasion. The word of God's a great place for it. So this is a starting place to, to learn. Like this is kind of like, who needs like, I like to have like a scripture to stand on until, until it's starting to happen. Does that make sense? I like to kind of just like to read it and to hear it until I hear it so that faith is actually birthed in my heart and, and divine persuasion happens and then the miracles start to take place, all right? So one of my go-tos for this very thing, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Um, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. I'm trying to find where it is. I read it somewhere else. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father the father of our lord jesus why all because he sees us wrapped into christ oh awesome so that takes performance out of it <laughs> this is why we celebrate him with all our heart you don't need anything more than that to be convinced of his love for you you know i don't i don't need anything more to believe that he's going to give me a parking spot just because of that scripture that's all i need that's all you need. But there's many, many more, but that's all you need. If you let the Holy Spirit speak this into your heart and you hear it and you're divinely persuaded, awesome. See what happens. Come on. Where was I? All right, so back on Galatians 5, 6, that faith works by love. His love transforms us. This is kind of like the process. This is what it looks like when it's happening not like in, in you. His love transforms us. It's his love that causes us to respond to him. That's called repentance, by the way. All it is is you responding to his love. Repentance is a response. It's a changing of the way that you think. I read something recently on, on like an Instagram post. And that's like if, if God does something 
in your life and you're like, wow, I didn't know that you were that good. Guess what's happened is you've repented because you've changed your mind about him. That's how simple repentance is. It's like, man, I've changed my mind about this. Um, you know, unbelief is a sin, by the way. And, and, and that's something that we just repent of. How do we repent of it? Testimonies. Being convinced by divine, um, uh, divine uh, persuasion. What happens is you repent of unbelief. Man, I've changed my mind about that. I didn't think that God could do that in my life, but he did. You've repented. You've repented of unbelief. Come on. So his love transforms us. It's his love that causes us to respond to him, repentance, and be transformed. Then we are empowered. What, what is it? Like, then we are empowered to love like we have been loved. You know, when you know how much you've been loved, you're actually empowered to love that way. It's because you're not deficient anymore. You're not trying to, like, meet needs anymore. You're, like, confident that God's got you. And so you don't have to, like, there's no more self-preservation what is love? Love is just like not, not, it's not thinking about yourself, but thinking less of, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. You know what I mean? Like there's less self-preservation. You've been loved. And so now, wow, I've been empowered to love. I've got resource. Come on. So it's his love that causes us to respond and be transformed. Then we are empowered to love like we have been loved. That's why it's so important that you get that you're loved because it's really important to him that you love. It becomes a double-edged sword because we know how much he loves us. We also know how much he loves them. We become divinely convinced of his will for them, a.k.a. faith. You know that, that like, that, um, I don't know what it's called, that doctrine that, like, it's not God's will for everyone to be healed, yet Jesus went about healing all that were sick? Why is that even a thing? It's because we haven't been divinely convinced of his will. So there's no faith to see miracles happen in their life. It's like people believe God can do it, but will he do it? Faith doesn't make allowance for will he. Because faith is convinced of what his will is. Again, another reason why it's important to get into the word of God, because how are you going to know the will of God if you don't know his word? How are you going to know it? I know that God wants everyone healed, that we, are, that we pray for. I know it, even though I don't see it yet. That just means that there's a little bit more divine persuasion that needs to take place in my heart. But I know it because Jesus was the example. He was the prototype and there wasn't a person that he prayed for that wasn't healed. If he's the prototype, if he actually said greater things you're going to do, that means that he's not even the high watermark. It means he's the platform. Okay? And so I know that that's his will. If Jesus is doing it, then it's his will. If Jesus has done it, it's his will. So it's a double-edged sword. Faith works by love, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he loves them. Because we know how much he loves us, we also know how much he loves them. We become divinely convinced of his will for them, a.k.a. faith. We also are motivated to do something about it. This is another reason why faith works by love is because it's actually motivation. It's like, man, God loves that person. He is not okay with them in that situation anymore. And if God's not okay with it, I'm not okay with it because his love is in me and I love them too. So not only is love like, not only are you now divinely convinced of his will, but you're going to actually do something about it. 
<laughs> Not just be like, God, I hope you do something because I believe that you can and you will. Do something, man. I remember um, oh, just recently there was a situation with a person, a grace grower, um, and they're not here, so don't worry. They don't come to the church. This is someone. <laughs> and they were struggling, and their like, struggle was affecting me as well. And I said, God, do something about them. <laughs> like, do something about Help them. I said, God, you need to help them. I was praying. I was frustrated. And he said, you help them. <laughs> I was, like, shocked and, and, and like, a bit put in place. Like, oh, man, you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> I'm saying do something. I'm saying help them. But he's, and I'm frustrated with him. He's saying you help them. You help them. I'm like, wow, what's that? That's actually, that's love. That's faith in works. Um, double sword. Uh, so what is it? Where are we? Motivated to do something about it. Because we know he loves them, we love them. And we know heaven has a solution and the resources to their problem and need. What do we learn about what that, those dreams that God gave me is there isn't a need that, it, that he can't meet. There isn't a single situation that heaven isn't stocked for. Um, heaven's not sold out. Heaven's not on back order. Faith works by love. All right. And, and then the other thing that we're going to kind of like join with not only does faith works by love but but it's in james 2 um 15 to 17 we all know this one as well for example if a brother or a sister this is the example that i just shared about like god help them he said you help them um if a brother or sister in the faith or anyone i'm going to say is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying goodbye i hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? All right, so James is talking about natural resources, but God wants us to do both. We want to meet natural needs and we want to meet supernatural needs. We're a supernatural philanthropist. It doesn't mean that we just do supernatural things. It means that we're not limited to natural things. How good is that? <laughs> So uh, where was I? Uh, I hope you stay warm, have some plenty, but provide them with a coat. What good is your, is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Um, the point I want to bring out of that, faith without action is dead. The Greek word for ergon or work is deed or action that carries out inner desire, intention, purpose. The reason why I even brought that up is because one theme that I keep seeing about faith is that it is like inseparable from knowing the will of God. Faith without works. And what is works? It's inner desire, intention, purpose. Inner desire, intention, purpose. And so I'm going to say that this is talking about God's intention and God's purpose and God's desire for them. And that's what, that's what the works is, that, that, that faith um, without works is dead. Faith without that action is dead. What are we doing? We're actioning God's will. We're actioning God's will. God wants to see people living like he does in heaven. <laughs> Jesus always did something with his faith. This is good. This is the, 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 the actions. Jesus always did something with his faith. Jesus' faith actually looked like something, all right? Um, sometimes he spat in the mud and rubbed it in people's eyes. 
He did something with his faith that was actioned. Sometimes he took food off a little child and then distributed it to feed a multitude. He did something with it. It was weird. It looked different. Someone would have been like, Jesus, you're taking food off the child. What the heck? But then he did something amazing with it. Sometimes he got down in the sand and, 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 and wrote some words. The, the, the story about the, uh, the lady that was like brought up for judgment and said, whoever, whoever is without sin cast the first stone. That was, a, that was by faith. Jesus stooped down in the, in the ground and, and, and started writing something in the ground. Because, um, because he saved that person, salvation. That was actually an action of faith. It looked like something. Faith works by love and love looks like something. That's why without actions, it's phony. So faith, so those two things coming in. This is how we actually work out faith. This is how we punch in the, kit, the, 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 the pin. This is how we actually pull things out of, the, uh, out of that safe. Is not, Number one, we need to understand the love of God. We need to know it for ourselves. We need to know it for other people. We need to be convinced of that completely. And then we need to actually do something. That's how you do it. That's why, we, that's why I practice like the parking space things because I want faith to be able to be applied in, some, in a situation where it actually matters. I remember, this is crazy. It was actually, this is crazy. I'm just being reminded of it right now. And in fact, this story is so crazy that sometimes I, even though I experienced it, I really struggled to believe that it actually happened. Um, and it was literally, it was the same year that God was speaking to me about this. And, and I was listening to message by bill johnson about some of you might have heard before years and years ago it says he he titled it i want my knife back and he talks about how supernatural restoration of things that have been lost and stolen and he used this example about a person that had a knife given to him it was super sentimental and it was lost and he was frustrated and one day in frustration he said god i want my knife back and it appeared in the sky and dropped and landed on the bed in front of him and while, like, I, I was listening to this message and I was just like, I never knew that could happen. <laughs> but I heard it. And, 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 and I actually became divinely convinced and persuaded God can do that. And this, this is like, I always hesitate to tell the story because it just seems completely pointless and so miraculous that it blows my mind. But I was... On my way to work, I was at the passenger and I had these like, you know, like, um, like liquid nails, those glue gun lids. And, uh, and they're like the plastic lids and you screw them onto the bottles. Um, we, me and my boss had just bought um, three things of glue and the person handed us four lids. And we, I remember we both mentioned like, that's weird that he gave us four lids. He must have miscounted that. And this, there's, there's a reason for that. There's a detail in this because, like, I had, like, a witness. That's why. Because I needed a witness because I couldn't believe that it happened. <laughs> and I, while we were driving to work, I was just stacking the, the glue lids on my fingers because I was going to just pretend I had nails. <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> and they were stacked inside of each other and I was, like, stacking them. And as I got to the second one, I went, one, I remember thinking... I wish I had a fifth one so that every finger had a, had a nail. I went one, two, three. And when I put the third one down, from the very base of that third one, because they didn't stack the whole way down because there was like a little lip preventing it from the very right from like, it's like, it came from like inside. It like came from, it's like, it was 
pulling a microphone out of the microphone. Does that make sense? I went one, two, three, and then another one came out, four, five, and I was just like, what the heck? I just ignored it. I thought I must have just miscounted. I just started playing around and scratching the window. And my, my boss turned and goes, oh, I thought they only gave us four. And I'm like, they did. They only gave us four. But when I was taking the third one out, it came out differently. It looked different. And, and I still find it hard to be, believe it, but a thing materialized in front of my hand because... That, actually, that morning I was listening to the message that I was just talking about and faith entered my heart. What happened? I accidentally was divinely convinced by faith that he could materialize things. And he loves me so much that he thought he'd have fun with me and let me have a fifth thing. And if I didn't have a witness, I wouldn't have believed it myself. I'm serious. It's crazy. But I didn't try. I didn't believe. I didn't, like, strive for that. It just happened because there was faith there already. Faith works automatically when it's there. Faith works when it's there. I was divinely convinced when I heard that message, something happened in me. And I'm like, God can do that. But he did it. I wish he did it for something a bit cooler. <laughs> hasn't happened since then. I think I like talked myself out of it. I got to repent of unbelief, honestly. But he did it. Faith works by love. Faith without works is dead. There's something else here, but I'm just going to skip that one because we're starting to go over. Is that 11 that I'm supposed to finish? Yeah, I've gone over, so just quickly. This is the main important point. The reason why God reminded me of the dreams. The reason why God's speaking to me about faith is because I got a, a word a couple weeks ago and it requires faith. It requires to be divinely persuaded because this is what he wants to bring in. All right? Um, and I had an impression on, on one of the Wednesday night revival meetings. I had an impression. Oh, no, it was actually at church on the Sunday morning. I had an impression of a giant pot of stew being stirred with a giant spoon, and I heard the words, the pot is about to be stirred. Now, everyone knows like that kind of usually means like to stir up controversy, but, but I asked God, what do you mean by that? Because I heard him say, the pot is about to be stirred. And then he spoke, and he said, um, he said that we have only tasted the broth, the water, which has been infused with the flavor of the main ingredients. What we've experienced up until now, even like your, your greatest testimony, the greatest miracle, the greatest like manifestation, the greatest thing that has happened in your life is just the broth. It's just the, it's just the liquid that has been infused with the main ingredients. It's not even the main ingredients yet. Like this is how big he is. But we haven't yet tasted the chunks. We haven't tasted the stew in its fullness but we are about to taste how it was intended to be served, chunks and all. <laughs> Woo! Be divinely convinced of that. Be divinely convinced of that. 
And this impression is talking about the kingdom breaking out in a way we imagined it would look like based on the things we've heard and read, water, broth, but had not yet fully experienced. And I just want to leave you with that word because I think it's significant. I think that God is on that and he wants to bring it, he wants to stir the pot, not stir up controversy, but stir up the main ingredients, stir up the things that like, so that we're not just, we're not just sipping on the, on the liquid anymore. We're not just getting a taste. We're not just smelling the fragrance, but we're actually getting the full shebang, the whole experience. All right. And that's what I believe is just like, that's what he wants to release. But that's, we're not going to see that if we're not divinely convinced of it. We're not going to see if we don't know how to make transactions on heaven. I believe that we're going to see limbs grow out. I believe that we're going to see financial miracles that you couldn't even imagine. I believe that we're going to see things that you've only ever read about, dreamed about, heard about, or imagined. And we're, that's what's on the, on the cards. But we must be divinely convinced of it. We must learn how to make transactions on heaven by faith. We must learn that you have the key, that you've got it. And we've got to learn how to punch in the, the pin. All right? So I just thank you right now, Father, that you divinely convince us. I just thank you, Father. There is enough resources in the Word. There is enough, there is enough testimony. There is enough, like, we've got your Holy Spirit. For crying out loud, speak, dwelling on the inside of us, constantly speaking us, constantly bringing us into truth. There is no reason that we can't be divinely convinced of whatever it is that you will bring into this world, that you will do in our lives, but not just in our lives, but through our lives. Another word that I recently got was that God isn't going to, revival isn't going to be an event that takes place, but a person that he makes. God's making you into revival. He's not making revival to be an event, but he's making you to be revival. You are actually going to be a revival. This is what this is talking about. And this is what it looks like. You're going to be one that walks around with a key card of heaven, making transactions left, right, and center, just chucking it out there because you know that it's never going to run out and there's not a need that it can't meet. That's what a walking revival looks like. And that's the person he's making you to be. That's who he's creating. That's what it looks like to eat the chunks and all, not just the broth. So we just thank you for that, Father. We believe it. We believe it. And we say yes to it. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that whatever adjustments need to make take place in our life, that we see it, that we become it. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, I say yes to it. I say yes to it. I say yes to it. I say yet it be so. I say I agree. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So would you just say yes to that? Would you just say produce that in me? Make me into that person. Hallelujah. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus.